I believe it's page, was it 912 in your pew Bibles. And we're going to read the second half of chapter 14, and then we'll move on and get the last couple of verses of chapter 15 as well. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says this, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I'm going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father and the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. In verse 26 of chapter 15. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. Be seated. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, your word that is the truth. It is the truth that we need. We pray that by the spirit of truth, you would guide us in understanding, that you would guide us in our will and affections, that you would guide us and transform us by the power of your spirit, that we would be conformed to the image of your son, in whose name we pray. Amen. Holy Spirit confusion. Holy Ghost. Snake handlers in Appalachia. Crazy things we see on late night TV. Uh, Debates about the gifts of the Spirit, being slain in the Spirit, uh, feeling shame about the fruit of the Spirit, uh, thinking that that there, there are people that just get too excessive on one side, talking about the Spirit on the other side. There's silence about the Spirit. 
and we, we've given way to this empirical rationalism of just saying I have to see it and measure it and be able to prove it in a laboratory, even to admit that it exists, and, and we pretend that there doesn't exist a spiritual realm. We pretend that there don't exist powers, that we don't have the presence of God in and among us. As in our passage, we see we do in the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, a few months ago, Paul asked if I would preach this Sunday. I said, gladly, yes. And he says, great, I get to go to Bogota, and you get to talk about the Holy Spirit from chapters 14 through 16 in the Gospel of John. And I thought, wait, I'm the one that's supposed to get to go to Bogota. And how on earth do we take on this subject in, in one or in two sermons as we're doing uh, or, or in 18? How, how do we do that? And the answer is we're not going to. Uh, but we're going to look at what is Jesus telling us about his spirit? What is he doing and where does that meet our need our need to receive, but also our need to walk with God in his mission. And this word that we come across here in chapter 14 is the helper. Uh, verse 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. And uh, we see that echoed again uh, in verse 26 of chapter 15. But when the helper comes, and uh, you may be going helper, I'm used to seeing counselor there, or comforter, or maybe advocate, or guide, or friend. There are all these different ways that this has been translated. And, and the reason is there's this word in Greek, and it's not a Greek lesson, but this word paraclete that simply doesn't have a good one-to-one -one equivalent in English. doesn't mean our translations are bad. It just means each one of those grasps part of the truth, but not the whole truth. And this idea of the paraclete is the one who comes alongside you and goes with you and empowers you and advocates for your good. And, and particularly in the case of the Holy Spirit, he's advocating the truth of Christ to our hearts. Yes, the Spirit does intercede for us in our prayers, and we see ways in which he advocates on our behalf. But in this aspect, what we're really looking at is someone who's advocating to us, saying the gospel is true. Jesus is real. Your condition before him or your lack of good standing before him is also real. And you need to see the beauty of Jesus in this. Uh, but the, the word we're going to be grabbing hold of this morning is comforter. Uh, it perhaps comes closest to this uh, if we fill it out a little bit, as we'll try to do in this sermon. This, this idea of the one who comes in and comforts us, who lifts up our heads, who sees our need. And this is, this is important because when we get over chapter 16, Jesus tells his disciples in verse 8, it's to your advantage that I go away. It, it's, you're better off if I'm not here and instead the Holy Spirit is with you. And for most of us, uh, at least for me regularly, the question is, is that really true? I mean, wouldn't it be better to have Jesus right here, right now, than, than to have the, the Spirit and if, if, we, if we got one-on-one -on -one time with him multiple hours every day, uh, that would be amazing. And yet, that's not possible. 
But how is it better for us? What advantages do we get by the Holy Spirit being real and being in this world? How is it that my need is met? My need is met by the Holy Spirit being our comforter. And we're going to look at three. Uh, The comfort of his presence, uh, the comfort of his illumination, his teaching, uh, and we're going to look at the comfort of being with him in mission. So first off, uh, the comfort of his illumination. Uh, Excuse me, the comfort of his presence. Uh, He's with us. The Holy Spirit is with us. If you are in Christ, if you have come to that point in your life where you've said, I know I'm not good enough, I know I don't measure up, I know that I cannot win God's favor through my good actions or through my lack of bad actions, but I need to just throw myself at the feet of Jesus, the one who went perfectly before me and died and rose again, and by faith I am receiving that salvation as a gift. If you have that, The Holy Spirit is with you right now. And you have not been left as an orphan. Jesus' words, you are not left as an orphan. And I don't know what all is going on in everybody's lives here, but a lot of you know what it feels like thinking that God has abandoned you. You know what it's like to think, I don't know how to go on in life. Maybe it's a momentary thing, maybe it's prolonged. But this idea that somehow or another God no longer sees me, I no longer have his favor, I'm no longer in his good graces. This this idea that, that he's just not listening to my prayers, he's not listening to me when I cry out. I've got this thing going on in my life, that word I received, that relationship that's in trouble, that crisis that just won't ever go away. And Jesus is telling you unequivocally, you're not an orphan. You have not been abandoned. The Spirit is with you. It may be really hard to see sometimes, It may be one of those things where you just get up in the morning and you say, I don't know if I can really get one foot after the other. And yet, Jesus is coming to you by his spirit. And he is there and he is with you and you have not been forsaken. And he comes to us and it's this intimate relationship. We get this idea, every now and then you'll hear this term up here, union with Christ, that, that we've been unified with Christ. And when we look at verse 17, when we look at verse 20, we, we see this intimate interaction. In verse 17, it says, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And then again in verse 20, it says, in that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. He's saying we have a tight, close, personal, loving relationship that nothing can break. And you may feel that you have been flung into the depths of Sheol as as we hear the psalmist writhing, thinking about these thoughts of abandonment, and yet, even there, he's with us. And God is with you. 
He will not forsake you. He will not abandon you. And, and, and he's with us by his, Christ is with us by his spirit, and it's not fully describable. Uh, that, that's one of our fears about the Holy Spirit is this ambiguity. This, it, how does that feel to you? How, how does that manifest itself? And why can't I repeat it every time I want to have it repeated? And yet the promise is he's there. And he is there with his presence to comfort you. But I have to ask myself, and I have to ask you, where are you looking for that comfort? Are you looking for it in the Spirit? Are you looking for the comfort there uh, in that personal interaction with Christ? Or are you looking for comfort in food and in relationships and in the pleasures of the body? Are you looking for that in Netflix? Uh, Is your phone your comfort? Where are you grabbing that comfort? And can you redirect that? Cry out to God and say, I need help. I am so easily distracted. I am going for these cheap imitations that may not be bad in and of themselves, but it's not the same as communion with Christ by his spirit. Lord, give that to me. Draw me to yourself. Are you anxious, fearful, self-medicating? Recognize it and cry out to God. He sent his spirit for you. He sent his spirit to you. And he's saying, enjoy my presence with you. Peace, in verse 27, Jesus is promising us peace. Do we experience that? Are we taking hold of that that he's offering us? Are we appropriating that in our lives? Cry out to God. Ask for his peace. We don't have to live like orphans. We don't have to live like those who've been abandoned. We've been received into family and we belong to Christ. That Go listen to last week's sermon if you missed it, but that ties us into this abide with Christ, the vine and the branches. I need to live in him and be drawing from him for that sustenance of life. And that's an advantage. He's with you. You have his presence. But there's another advantage. And that is that he is illuminating us, or in Jesus' words, uh, he teaches us all things in verse 26. Uh, He's saying, this is what the Spirit is doing for us. He says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Jesus, by his Spirit, teaches us. He guides us in what is truth. Multiple times here we have references to him as the Spirit of truth. It comes up in chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16. He's the Spirit of truth. And he interacts with the words of Jesus. He's saying to the disciples, I will bring up in your remembrance everything I've said to you. I will bring my words into your mind. And 
We weren't there to hear those words, but we have these words written down for us. And uh, our confession talks in this beautiful way about the inward work of the Holy Spirit bearing witness by and with the word in our hearts. That, that Jesus is teaching us through his word and that his spirit gives us understanding, gives us illumination, gives us this ability to grasp Christ's message for us in his word. And to be able to bring that into our hearts and into our minds when most we need it. To be able to fill us up with this truth, with this healing balm. To be able to say, this is what your soul needs, to know Jesus and to know his words. He's teaching us. He's teaching us, and this is countercultural. Because first of all, what is truth? We have a message from outside of Scripture that is saying, there isn't really truth, or you have your truth, and I have my truth. Uh, everybody's truth is okay, so long as it's theirs. Don't really worry about these questions of what's right and what's wrong. Just be, be you be you. And Jesus is telling us there is real truth. And it's not real truth that we use to go around and judge everyone else. That's not our role. But there is truth, and we're to know the truth. We are to hold fast the truth. We are to speak the truth. This is one of these things, and th this comes through, I think maybe some of you were hoping I was skipping this part because I didn't start with it, even though the passage starts with it. But uh, he's saying, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll obey me. And he doesn't say it just once. He just keeps hammering on that throughout the passage. Keep my commandments. Obey me. Do what I have instructed. And we immediately have fear and shame when we hear those words so often. Keep all of Jesus' commandments. And we think of the Sermon on the Mount and how it just lays us bare and how he puts up these, these requirements of the law and we say, I just don't measure up. He knows we don't measure up. It's why he gave his life for us. And, and yet he says, now obey me. I've laid my life down for you. I've saved you. I've redeemed you from the pit. Now obey me and very particularly when we look at the Gospels, when Jesus is talking about commandments, he zeroes in. Chapter 13 of John, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. He repeats that through John. This is that my commandment to you, that you love one another. When we zoom out to the other Gospels, uh, when we find Jesus really talking about commandments, using the language of commandments, he's talking about the two great commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And, but then he also puts feet on those commandments. They're already in the commandments, but he gives explicit feet to them. And he says, do this on mission. Do this in action. Don't have a privatized holiness, a privatized obedience 
but do it in interaction. Do it going out in the world. Before we get into that, how? How can we obey? And that's where this other good news comes in. This Holy Spirit doesn't just teach us the truth, but he gives us the ability to obey. Uh, We read about it in uh, Philippians 2. That God's the one at work in us to both to will and to do. To will, to desire to obey. If you desire to obey, that's come from the Holy Spirit. If you're able to actually put that desire into practice, it's from the Holy Spirit. Now you're called upon to look to Him to do that. It's not, a, oh, well, He's taking care of it all, so I'll just binge watch Netflix. It's Engage with it. Go out in it. Uh, Our confession, again, says that our ability to good works is not at all of ourselves, but wholly from the Spirit of Christ. Uh, Or as we read earlier or heard in our assurance of pardon, he's uh, in Ephesians 3, praying that we'd be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith that the comforter is coming to us to show us truth and to show us Christ and to give us faith and to show us his ways and to give us the ability to go along those ways. So if you understand something about Jesus, it's because of the Spirit. If you're here right now saying, I'm hearing, but I kind of don't hear, um, you're saying stuff and it's totally not making sense to me, it's time to call on God, pour your spirit out. Give me eyes to see Jesus. Give me ears to hear this message of salvation and forgiveness and acceptance in him. Cry out to him. He will respond. So, the spirit teaches Do you listen? Are you listening? How do you listen? Is there something intentional in your life for engaging with the word, with the spirit? This isn't about, am I ticking off boxes? This isn't about, am I doing enough good church stuff for Jesus to like me? It's not about making sure that I can tell other people what I've read or what I know or what I've done, it's am I actually going to benefit from this amazing gift that Christ is offering me? Am I going to seek his word and in his word find comfort and teaching by the Holy Spirit? Am I going to understand truth? Am I going to understand what delights my father? Am I going to find power there to put it into practice or am I going to ignore it? so easy. It is so easy for us simply to forget. It is so easy for us to neglect what Jesus has given to us. And he's saying, you're not orphans, you're not on your own, and I'm here not just with you, but I am here transforming your heart and your mind into my likeness. Engage. Check in. 
So uh, a couple advantages. He's with us and he's teaching us. And the third advantage is that he empowers us on mission. Or uh, it's the comfort of realized purpose, or maybe I should say realizable purpose. That, that God has put you on this earth with a purpose. He has put you on this earth to glorify his son. He has put you on this earth to show forth what the image of Christ should really look like and to be part of his mission in bringing that realization about in the surrounding world. And it's doable by the Spirit's power. Uh, chapter 15, verse 26. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness. My comfort is not for me to feel comforted. Part of it is, but that's not what the whole thing is. It's not so that I can feel better about myself. It's not about my self-esteem. Uh, knowledge of the scriptures and of truth is not about being smarter, being more intelligent, or about being right, doggone it. It is about taking that truth to the ends of the earth. It is about that great commission of making disciples, being a disciple and making disciples throughout all the earth. And you may be going, well, you know, this is the missionary talking. Uh, and so, you know, we, we, we know what the missionary is like, and this is just his spiel. Uh, I don't think it is. Uh, if you turn back to page one in your bulletin, Zion Presbyterian exists to join Jesus in his work of advancing his kingdom by spreading the gospel to the lost and equipping the saints to worship and serve. This is not just the missionary's mission. This is the church's mission. This is the mission of the people of God. This is the mission to go out and see who Jesus will bring to himself. Comfort isn't for being comfortable. Comfort is for the mission. Comfort is to be able to go out and say, I don't have the strength and I don't have the wisdom and I don't have the knowledge, but... God by his spirit is with me and so I will go out into those frontiers that he has placed in my life to bring the light of the gospel there. And those frontiers might be in Bogota, Colombia. They might be in Japan. They might be in Mexico. They might be in the bedroom next door. They might be across the street. They may well be in Colombia and in Mount Pleasant and in Murray County. And the question is, are we on mission? Are we thinking about it? Obedience, so often we think of this idea of obedience. I can be holy if I just stay away from those bad things. You know, there's that, there's that list of things that we're pretty sure we ought not do. And, and there are a few other good things. I'm gonna put some money in the plate when it comes by. And, and I'll show up at church fairly regularly. And, and, and we get this idea that holiness is about that. We're not obedient. We're not holy if we're not on mission. We don't have holiness if we're not looking for Christ's kingdom to advance. That's a sobering thought. Uh, 
I might have the title of missionary, and yet you look in the mirror in the morning and you say, am I really on mission or not? Am I really doing it? This is not, I hope, coming from a, a posture of, I've got it right, now follow me. <laughs> it's a posture of, Jesus has told us to follow him that his kingdom needs to cover the earth, that the knowledge of his glory will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea, that his church will prevail, and we are called to be part of that. Are you part of that? In your life, are you part of that? How are you engaging with that? How is this gift of the Holy Spirit comforting you so that you can comfort others and let them know about Jesus? I give thanks, rejoice in 212 years of history of this church. And and yet I do ask, not just of this church, but of any church, why has God allowed Zion Presbyterian to be here on October 20th, 2019? Why are we here now? What would God want us to do and to be next year? And in the years to come, how are we carrying out this mission? How do we manifest his glory in our community? What does it look like for us individually to be on mission? What does it look like for us as a church to be on mission? And, and this, this could mean big things. This could mean there are some of us who need to go to the ends of the earth as missionaries. This could mean that we come together and, and, and we do want to start a new congregation someplace. It may be that we want to start some focused evangelistic works and Bible studies and see what God wants to do with it. It, it may be that you just open up your home in hospitality. Uh, we had uh, a family in our church in Guadalajara, Mexico. And, and I had other people in the church coming and saying, they don't come to all the meetings, they're not committed. Uh, they, you know, sometimes wear shorts to church. You know, they're not committed. I'm really not sure about their faith. And, and I said, last Christmas Eve, who invited you over? Oh, that person. Uh, when we did our get-togethers, who made sure that the food was there and ready and right and good? Oh, that person. Who is it who's always there to make sure things go right? Oh, yeah, it's that person. We get these ideas. We we get caught in these boxes of this is what being on mission has to look like. God actually gives us lots, lots of different assignments of what it means to be on mission. What is yours? What is ours? Holy Spirit is with us to move us to that. The, 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 the stories, almost every good story is, is filled with this point where the protagonist needs someone else to come alongside him to get him to the goal, to get him to the finish line. It, it, it doesn't matter if it's your favorite sports movie and it's the pep talk or if it is Han opening up the way for Luke to take his shot, or if it's Sam and Gandalf making sure Frodo makes it to the cracks of doom, uh, there's always this person that comes alongside and says, I'm getting you to the finish line. And, and those stories, they, they all fall short in a way because how can a story really describe the Holy Spirit? 
But the Holy Spirit is getting us to that place. And, and it's worth it, and it's important. Why? Uh, the last few verses of chapter 14 kind of feel out of place. Uh, we've had this long talk, and then suddenly, uh, suddenly Jesus uh, says, Rise, let us go from here. What's that about? This is the night Jesus is going to be betrayed. He has celebrated with his disciples. He has instructed them, and he says, I've told you about the Holy Spirit, now let's go. It's time for me to go to the garden. It's time for me to be betrayed. It's time for me to go to the cross. It's time for me to die. Our Savior has gone before us on mission, and he has completed his part of the mission. And by his spirit, he is working in us and through us to complete the whole mission. He is risen. He did not stay dead. And he has promised and he has delivered. The Holy Spirit is with us. And we are not orphans and we will not be abandoned. He is with us, in the words of Jesus, forever. And so now, Zion Church, let's walk in the Spirit. Let's follow him in mission. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you that in him there is hope, there is life, there is knowledge of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. There is knowledge of salvation in Jesus. And we pray that by the power of your spirit, you would change us. We long to see your church fulfill the promises you've made. Work in us, work through us, work in spite of us. But Lord Jesus, work. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.